Welcome to Friendship with God with our Bible teacher, Tom Cantor. Today's message and previous messages can be listened to or downloaded for free at friendshipwithgod.org. Friendshipwithgod.org. You can also obtain free resources from Tom Cantor and view our online bookstore at friendshipwithgod.org or call us at 800-247-3051, 800-247-3051. Tom Cantor also has a daily devotional verse that comes out each day by email and on Facebook. To receive this small daily devotional verse that Tom Cantor puts out, you can sign up at friendshipwithgod.org, friendshipwithgod.org, or find Tom Cantor on Facebook by searching for Tom Cantor and Friendship with God. Now, here is our Bible teacher, Tom Cantor. Father, thank you so much for the bread of life. And as we've sung this morning, Lord, we need you, so much need you, to break thou the bread of life to each one of us personally. Lord, you are the bread. Your word is eternal. And so now we pray that you would make this word to live within us in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Now, if you uh, turn in your Bible, please, to Genesis. Genesis chapter 8. Genesis chapter 8 and verse 15. Genesis eight fifteen. You turn there, please. Genesis 8, 15. And God spake unto Noah, saying, Go forth of the ark, thou and thy wife, and thy sons and thy sons' wives with thee. Bring forth with thee every living thing that is with thee of all flesh, both of fowl and of cattle, and of every creeping thing that creepeth upon the earth, that they may breed abundantly in the earth and be fruitful and multiply upon the earth. And Noah went forth, and his sons, and his wife, and his sons' wives with him. Every beast, every creeping thing, every fowl, whatsoever creepeth upon the earth, after their kinds, went forth out of the ark. And Noah built an altar unto the Lord, and took of every clean beast, and of every clean fowl, and offered burnt offerings on the altar. And the Lord smelled a sweet savor. And the Lord said in his heart, I will not again curse the ground. Any more for man's sake, for the imagination of man's heart is evil from his youth. Neither will I again smite any more every living thing, as I have done. Now, if you turn down to, to the next chapter, Genesis chapter nine, verse eleven. Genesis nine eleven will continue nine eleven, and I will establish my covenant with you. Neither shall all flesh be cut off any more by the waters of a flood. Neither shall there any more be a flood to destroy the earth. And God said, this is the token of the covenant which I make between you, me and you and every living creature that is with you for perpetual generations. I do set my bow in the cloud and it shall be for a token of a covenant between me and the earth. And it shall come to pass when I shall bring a cloud over the earth that the bow shall be seen in the cloud. And I will remember my covenant which is between me and you and every living creature of all flesh and the water shall no more become a flood to destroy all earth. And the bow shall be in the cloud. And I will look upon it that I remember, that I may remember the everlasting covenant between God and every living creature of all flesh that is on the earth. And God said unto Noah, This is the token of the covenant which I have established between me and all flesh that is upon the earth. 
So this is such a dramatic time in our history of our earth. This is a time when the wickedness of man had just reached the tipping point. This was it, where God said an amazing statement in chapter 6 of Genesis, chapter Genesis 6, 6. Genesis 6, 6, God said, It repented the Lord that he had made man on the earth, and it grieved him at his heart. So man's sin had just reached the limit. And God who was so grieved in his heart with the evil decisions that man was making that God said he was actually sorry that he made man. He's sorry he made man in the first place. Man had so terribly corrupted God's earth with his sin that God said that man left God with no other choice but to destroy man. And that he actually repented that he made man. The limit had been reached and he brought on the great flood of destruction and death on the earth. And so the rain started, and the waters were coming up from under the earth to the point where every man was killed. All the land animals that had breath in them were drowned. And God said that he would utterly destroy man in the earth. In verse 7, chapter 6, verse 7, Genesis 6, 7, the Lord said, I will destroy man whom I have created from the face of the earth. So the great flood of destruction that God destroyed man And God said in in, in verse 7 there, Genesis 6, 7, that he was going to destroy man from the face of the earth. But God left many evidences of the past lives before the flood and and that were killed in the flood on the face of the earth. They are the billions of fossils that are found today on the face of the earth. But God said that he would destroy man from the face of the earth. And no one, no one, has ever found a fossil of man amongst the billions of fossils that are found today on the face of the earth from the flood. Why? Because God said that he would destroy man, the cause of the flood, from the face of the earth, and he did. So the great flood came. There was no escape for man. Every man who did not go into the ark with Noah was destroyed from the face of the earth. And now the great flood has stopped, and the waters have resided into oceans and seas and lakes, Dry ground has again appeared on the earth, and God remembers Noah and his family in in the ark there, and, and the ark comes to rest on Mount Ararat in Turkey. And the word comes to Noah, to Noah as we saw here in Genesis 8.15, Genesis 8.15, where God said, go forth of the ark. And this is the same voice that Noah hears back in Genesis 7. Back in Genesis 7-1, when God said, come thou and all thy house into the ark. And now Noah and his family are called to go out of the ark. And Noah and his family, they come out of the ark, they look on the earth, and what do they see? Death, death all around, where every land creature and bird and many of the sea creatures were also killed during that time. That was a frightful sight for Noah I mean, how did Noah feel as he comes out of this ark afraid? Because he saw the destructive force of the flood. And so Noah felt as though there's a lot of work to do. There's a tremendous amount of work. Now, first of all, Noah was a great builder. He was a great builder. For 120 years, Noah had built an ark the size of two football fields. And it had compartments for all of the animals. It had a watering system. It had a feeding system. It had a waste disposal system. Noah was a great builder. 
He was no stranger to building. Noah was a great builder. And now Noah, the great builder, comes out. He sees an earth where there's a lot of building that needs to be done. He needs to build a house for his family to live in. Noah, the great builder, needs to build a house. Noah sees he needs to, he needs to build either a cistern or dig a well for water for his family and his livestock and the agriculture. The great builder needs to build a watering system. He sees that his animals, the animals that he's going to use for livestock, they need pens to be kept in while they multiply. Noah, the great builder, needs to build pens. He sees there's fences that need to be made for his vegetables and his fruit trees to be protected in. Noah, the great builder, needs to build fences. There are just so many structures, so many systems that need to be done, and they're all crying out for Noah to go ahead and build them. And Noah is a great builder. So when Noah comes out of the ark, he sees so much that needs to be built, and he is the great builder. But Noah sets all those projects aside, and Noah, the great builder, builds the most important structure in his lifetime. And we read about that in Genesis 8.20, Genesis 8.20, and Noah builded an altar unto the Lord. Noah, the great builder, before he builds anything, Noah builds the most important structure when Noah builds his altar to God. And we read what Noah did on that altar that he built in verse 20, Genesis 8, 20, 8, 20, and took of every clean beast and every clean fowl and offered burnt offerings on the altar. Noah built an altar to offer burnt offerings to the Lord. And as we see Noah coming out of the ark with all those pressing structures, projects, building systems that have to be done, he sets them all aside and he says, he says in his heart, I have but one structure to build before anything else that comes first. It's my altar to God. And that's a great challenge for us. Because as we see, as we, because if, if, if Noah was here today and he would say to each one of us, what is it in your life that you feel is so pressing for you to have to do or to build? Do you have something to do or something to build that's more pressing than I had when I left the ark? I put all of that aside and I built my altar to worship God. How about you? That's what Noah would say. Can you put all the pressing issues aside and build your altar of sacrifice and dedication and surrender every day to God? Can you spend time with God as I did? Now, what was God's response when he saw Noah do this? When he saw Noah put God first, what was God's response? We read about it in verse 21, Genesis 8, 21, 8, 21. The Lord smelled a sweet savor. And the Lord said in his heart, I will not again curse the ground anymore for man's sake. For the imagination of man's heart is evil from his youth. Neither will I again smite anymore every living thing as I have done. So God smells a sweet savor. He smells the sacrifice. The sacrifice, which was not just a sacrifice of animals, it was a sacrifice of all of those projects and buildings and systems that were pressing on Noah and his family that had the gun done. And he sees that and, 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 and that Noah made there when he offers all those clean animals. And God smells a choice. He smells a choice that Noah made. When the great builder turned from all of his pressing priorities and said, God first, God first. And what God described as is, is Noah's God first choice and the sacrifice is described for us in verse 21. The Lord smelled a sweet savor. It was what God, and that's what God does with us. When God 
Smells are in our choice, the God first. When we put God first, he smells a sweet savor in our lives. He knows all about the priorities that are pressing us. He knows about the, everything that's crying out, me first, me first, me first. And when we say no to all those priorities and we say no, God first, God first, God first, in a very practical way, such as Bible before breakfast, or as David put it in Psalm fifty-five, seventeen, Psalm fifty-five, seventeen, evening, morning, at noon will I pray and cry aloud, and he shall hear my voice. And Psalm four, five three, Psalm five three, my voice shalt thou hear in the morning, O Lord. In the morning will I direct my prayer unto thee, and will look up. And Psalm one nineteen, Psalm one nineteen sixty two sixty two, at midnight. I will rise to give thanks to thee because of thy righteous judgments. That was what it was about Daniel. Daniel was under the penalty of death if he prayed to God. And so what did he do in Daniel 6.10? Daniel 6.10, when Daniel knew that the writing was signed, he went into his house, his windows being open in his chamber toward Jerusalem. He kneeled upon his knees three times a day, morning, noon, night, and prayed and gave thanks before his God as he did before time. He prayed with his windows open three times a day. What was that? God smelled for Daniel, his choice, God first, God first. So after Noah makes his God first decision by building the altar and offering sacrifices to God, God made a decision, and his decision was in his heart. And his decision was, the Lord said in his heart, I will not again curse the ground anymore for man's sake, for the imagination of man's heart is evil from his youth. So God said that, he was done. I'm done with cursing the ground anymore. The great flood that's going to kill everyone again. God judged. He hates to judge. God sends people to hell. He hates to send people to hell. But God said that he would not send another worldwide flood on the earth. He knew, he knows that man did not become reformed by the flood. He knows that the imagination, he even says that, that the imagination of man's heart is evil from his youth. He didn't say it was evil from his youth. It is evil from his youth. But God is so focused on, he's so giving himself to saving man from his sin, the sin of his own heart and the evil imaginations of his heart from a child, that then God says he's going to establish a covenant, a covenant that no more cutting off, a covenant of no more destruction by a flood. We've just witnessed and it's the, the destructive power, the destruction of these localized floods in Texas and Florida. And we've been shocked as we've seen the scenes of the, the, the power of those torrential hurricane rains and the, and the winds and the storm surges. And that's just given us an opportunity to think back on the worldwide flood and God's promise here to not destroy the whole earth again with a worldwide flood. And now God said that he has a special token, a special token, a special sign of his covenant that to not destroy. And his token is, he says in verse 12, John, uh, uh, Genesis 9, 12, 9, 12, God said, this is the token of the covenant which, is, which I make between me and you and every living creature that is with you for perpetual generations. I do set my bow in the cloud. I do set my bow in the cloud. That's the title of this message. I do set my bow in the cloud, and it shall be for a token of a covenant between me and the earth. Now, we know it's the rainbow. It's the rainbow, but God calls it the token of the covenant. When God called the rainbow the token of the covenant, and when we look 
at the covenant that God was referring to, we see that God announced the covenant. And then when we make a, you know, God announced the covenant. He just stated this is the covenant. It's so different from how we do contracts. When we do contracts and we do covenants, there's a negotiation on both sides to come to a, come up with an agreement that's acceptable to both sides, but not so with God. We have no input on the terms of God's covenant or agreement. God makes the covenant and then announces it to man. And this is the way it is with the gospel. The gospel is God's covenant of reconciliation where God has agreed to forgive any person of their sins if they will only look on the Lord Jesus Christ, they will believe into the Lord Jesus Christ, and they will receive the Lord Jesus Christ. Look, believe, receive. Look at him. Believe that God became a man in the person of Jesus and died for our sins, and then receive him as God of our lives and Savior. That was all designed by God. And man had no input into the terms of that contract or that agreement. And it's a good thing that man didn't have any input because man would mess it up. Man would have said, man, man would have seriously flawed the gospel covenant by saying that, no, it's man's good's work that has to play a role in God forgiving sins. God called it, I do set my bow in the cloud and it shall be for a token of a covenant between me and the earth. God loves his rainbow, and he emphasizes certain parts of the rainbow. First of all, God calls the rainbow the, a token, a token. That's such an important point, because God repeats it three times, token of the rainbow. He repeats it. Whenever God repeats it, it's not like he, he, he's being repetitive, but he's emphasizing in verse 12, this is the token of the covenant. Verse 13, it shall be for a token of the covenant. Verse 17 of chapter 9, this is the token of the covenant. Now, this Hebrew word for token is the word ot, and it's translated token. But most frequently, that word is translated signs. Signs. As a matter of fact, when God referred to the plagues, all those ten plagues that Moses brought on Egypt with the message behind every one of those plagues, let my people go, the, the, they were all called signs. There was the sign of the water turned to blood and the sign of the infestation of frogs and the sign of the lice and the sign of the flies and the sign of that fatal disease on the cattle and the sign of the boils and the sign of the thunder and the rain and the sign of the locusts and the sign of the darkness and then the final worst sign of all, the death of the firstborn. All those were called oats or signs or tokens. All of those signs in Egypt, they pointed to one message, let my people go, let my people go, let my people go. And so when God calls the rainbow three times, an ot or a sign, we need to see what is the sign thing? What is the message behind the rainbow? Now, God emphasized by saying two times where the bow would be. He says in verse 14, chapter 9, verse 14, the bow shall be seen in the cloud. Verse 16, the bow shall be in the cloud. Now, just think of what Noah thought when he ever he saw clouds. There were no clouds before. There were no rain before the flood. But now he's been in the ark, and he's seen this terrible destruction that comes from these clouds. And so he comes out of the ark, and, and he hears God talk about the clouds, and he's like, oh, no. But clouds, they represented destruction and death for Noah, for the floodwaters. 
So Noah was not in the mood to think about any clouds. And so clouds really were scary for Noah because he had seen so much death come out of the clouds, dropping so much rain on the earth. And so when God told Noah twice that the bow was going to be seen in the cloud, Noah understood that rainbow was going to appear in the most scary sight Noah could see, which was a cloud. And just at the time when Noah would see a cloud after a storm, he had great reason to fear, to run. But that's the time, God said, when the the rainbow would appear. The most scary time the rainbow would carry the message to Noah, don't be afraid, Noah. Here I am in the face of this cloud. By appearing that scary cloud, the rainbow was saying to Noah, Noah, in the face of this cloud, I'm your answer Just be assured that the storm is over. It's over. And the same Lord who put the rainbow in the face of the scary cloud, he puts the word of God in the face of those times when we are the most scared. For example, when we have to face death, either our own death or the death of a loved one, the Lord doesn't desert us at that time, but he comes right in the face of the cloud like the rainbow, and he says, John eleven twenty five. John eleven twenty five. Jesus said unto her, I'm the resurrection and the life. He said that to her when Lazarus was dead, when the, the storm cloud of death was right there. The rainbow of his words appear, and he, he says, I'm the resurrection and the life. He that believeth in me, though he were dead, yet shall he live. Just like it says in 1 Thessalonians 4.16, 1 Thessalonians 4.16, the Lord himself shall descend from heaven with a shout, with the voice of our archangel, with the trump of God, and the dead in Christ shall rise first. Then we which are alive and remain shall be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. And so shall we ever be with the Lord. Wherefore, comfort one another with these words comforting words, like like Hebrews 13.5. Hebrews 13.5, I will never leave thee nor forsake thee. That's the rainbow, the rainbow that's seen in the cloud. How that speaks to us that the Lord comes to us in a special way when we're in trouble, just like the hymn, just when I need him most, just when I need him, Jesus is near, just when I falter, just when I fear, ready to help me, ready to hear, cheer, just when I need him most. That's the first message of the rainbow that's seen in the cloud, that the rainbow is just like the Lord coming with comfort when we need him most. And when the storm is over, the rainbow appears. He said that. As we're in the past, the rainbow appears. It's a sign the storm is over, just like the, just like the, the song goes, keep me safe in the dark of the midnight when I have, have I oft hid my face. When the storm howls above me and there's no hiding place, mid the crash of the thunder, precious Lord, hear my cry. Keep me safe till the storm passes by, till the storm passes by, till the thunder sounds no more, till the clouds roll forever from the sky. Hold me fast. Let me stand in the hollow of thy hand. Keep me safe till the storm passes by. So in this sense, the rainbow is like the resurrection because the greatest storm ever was at the cross, when all the sins of mankind were judged, and that judgment fell on the Lord Jesus Christ. He endured the wrath, the storm of the wrath of God. When it says in 2 Corinthians 5.21, 2 Corinthians 5.21, he made him to be a sin offering for us who knew no sin, that we might be made the righteousness of God in him.
Another wonderful day studying the Bible with our Bible teacher Tom Cantor here on Friendship with God. Don't forget that today's message and previous messages can be listened to and downloaded for free at friendshipwithgod.org. Friendshipwithgod.org. You can also go online to find free resources from Tom Cantor and our online bookstore at friendshipwithgod.org. You can also find Tom Cantor on Facebook, and you can also go to friendshipwithgod.org and sign up for his daily devotional. Tom Cantor is also the founder of Israel Restoration Ministries. You can visit that website at israelrestorationministries.org. You can write to Tom Cantor at P.O. Box 711330, P.O. Box 711330, Santee, California, Santee, California, 92071. Or email Tom Cantor at tomcantor at friendshipwithgod.org, Tom Cantor at friendshipwithgod.org. Or for more information about Tom Cantor and Friendship with God and Israel Restoration Ministries, call us at 800-247-3051. What are you doing Sunday nights? Join Friendship with God radio Bible teacher Tom Cantor of the Friendship with God Fellowship Church every Sunday night at 5.30 p.m. at the Creation and Earth History Museum in Santee, California. Watch and listen live around the world to Tom Cantor Sunday evening on YouTube.com by searching for the Friendship with God Fellowship or by going to our homepage at friendshipwithgod.org. Do you have fatigue or trouble getting out of bed or just getting through the day? Are you so tired you can't focus? Do you feel like your life is drained away? Do you have fibromyalgia headaches? I have good news for you. Our doctors at Scantibodies Imaging and Therapy can give you cellular ozone therapy. Why not get your energy back now by calling us at 1-888-529-9016 or visit us at treatmyfatigue.com. 